You know, there is one good thing about working for a trash company or working for uh, around trash all the time is it, it makes you kind of like a cockroach. It's hard to, hard to kill you off. I mean, <laughs> there's a, you got the constitution of a cockroach. And uh, I appreciate y'all's prayers for me, though, when I was feeling under the weather. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. So last Sunday I was teaching on the rapture, and I was telling you it was kind of a rapture for dummies. And I don't mean that uh, in a sense that you, if you didn't understand that, you were a dummy. But just uh, d- that book, the books, whatever it be, Windows for Dummies or whatever, they're designed to just give you a quick overview but not to give you all the details. And that's what that rapture, I, there's so many more verses we could have went through, more concepts of the rapture I could have gone through. But uh, for time's sake, we just gave you the ba- main idea of what death was, what being resurrected was, the rapture. But when I left off, what I was talking about was there's a seven-year period right there, seven-year period where the Antichrist rules this world for seven years rules and reigns, makes people take the mark of the beast. And after that seven-year period, tribulation period, then Jesus Christ comes back, Revelation 19. He comes back, the battle of Armageddon takes place, and then Revelation 20 talks about there's a millennial kingdom, a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth with us ruling and reigning with him as kings and priests. That's all in the Bible. Y'all realize that y'all believers in here are going to be kings and priests? Pretty amazing. So, what you got going on here is, so you got the rapture, and then there's a seven-year period. So the question is, where does this take place? This judgment seat of Christ, and we're about to read about it. Where does this take place? Well, if you're ruling reign in here, and there's a seven-year tribulation period, about the only time it can take place is right here, while we're up in the air for seven years. Because what happens is. At the end of Revelation, there's a great marriage feast in Revelation 19, the marriage of the Lamb, where we as the bride of Christ are married to Jesus Christ. There's a great feast up there. And after that feast, Jesus gets on a white horse. He loads it up. He gets on a white horse. And everybody, we get on the horses with him. And then here he goes. Let's go back and take back what belongs to us. And here he comes, Revelation 19. As King of kings and Lord of lords. Sky splits open. Here comes Jesus Christ. We're following with him. And he comes down in here and he destroys all the Antichrist uh, armies. He destroys all of God's enemies. And then he sets up a thousand year reign on this earth. The earth rejuvenates, regenerates, and he, he rules and reigns for a thousand years. So why am, I, why am I talking about this and talking about that? What does all that have to do with the judgment seat of Christ? Because what happens at this judgment seat of Christ it's going, to, it's going to mean what's going to happen to you in this thousand-year reign. And it, you are going to be judged. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing whether, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So that's where we stopped last week. I was teaching on that. If you're absent from your body, you're present with the Lord, Christian. Because he's writing this to believers. He's not writing this to lost man. Or lost woman, he's writing this to believers. If you're absent from your body today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your body goes in the grave, your soul doesn't go up to be with Jesus Christ, your soul goes down to be in devil's hell, waiting for the great white throne judgment. Not this judgment, 
That's Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter 20, God pulls up the people and judges them. All right, here we go. He does it actually at the end of here. I pointed at the wrong space. The great white throne judgment takes place right here after this thousand-year reign. That's Revelation 22. I'm just going to scribble that up there. That's a great white throne. Two different judgments. See, the, the, what mankind, what, what people think is that, uh, has this idea that God's just going to bring everybody up together. Everybody's going to be, good, be judged for the good or the bad that they've done. And then if you've been, you've been done good enough, then you'll get to go to heaven. And if you've been bad or done some really bad things or done too much bad, then you have to go to hell. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that that judgment that God has for you took place on the cross. If you want to get outside of that judgment, you've got to get to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where that's settled. If you don't settle it here at the cross of Jesus Christ, when you get to Revelation 20 and he brings you up, it's too late. All you're being judged for is how deep into hell you go because there's different levels of hell, according to the Bible. Jesus Christ said to the Pharisees, you shall receive the greater damnation. There's a lesser and there's a greater. But what happens here is what we're going to study this morning. Look at, Revel look at, look at verse uh, 9, wherefore we labor. Verse 9, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. What we do in our body, the labor we're doing for Jesus Christ is so Jesus Christ will accept us. Not as... Uh, believers not accept us as his children, not accept us. As, no, accept us, be accepting of us in a sense of be happy with us. Why we, we, you should be coming to church this morning because you want Jesus Christ to be happy with you for going to church. Amen? We, we, it's not a social gathering. It's a, like, Lord, I know this is what you want me to do. I know I get a lot out of it, but it makes you happy. I'm going to do it. We do the labor we do with for we labor. Paul says, we, talking about Christians, labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. In other words, if we're away from him, we're accepted of him, or if we're standing right in front of him, we will be accepted of him. Doesn't everybody in this room want to, when we see the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't everybody in this room want to be able to say, to get down and bow down before him, and him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, we don't like those verses like what happened to Peter. When Peter did something the Lord didn't like, Peter went against the Lord. What, did, what happened with Peter? Peter went against the Lord. Peter betrayed the Lord. And what happened to Peter? Peter was watching from far off. He's watching what was going to happen to Jesus Christ as he's on trial. And the Bible says that Jesus simply just turned and looked at Peter. And when Jesus Christ turned and looked at Peter, the Bible says when Peter's eyes made contact with Jesus' eyes, that Peter couldn't take it, and Peter bowed down and ran off and wept bitterly. It hurt. It broke Peter. It, he could, Peter could see the disappointment in Jesus' eyes. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? For we must all, verse 10, we must all, all Christians... Bible believers, I mean all believers, excuse me, for we must all believers appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're all going to have to answer to the Lord, guys. Now, for salvation, that's already been took care of. You're saved. You're going to heaven. You're, you've got a place in heaven. All that's took care of. 
But we're still going to have to answer to Jesus Christ for how we're living today. Verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Now, I didn't write that in your Bible. That was already in there. <laughs> we're going to all stand before Jesus in the very next verse. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. God knows us, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences, and you know us. God knows us, and you know us. But Paul says, you're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Because we're going to get according to that we had done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that these verses will persuade some people this morning. That they'll be persuaded, Lord God, to live a life that you'd like them to live, Lord God, and to have you on their heart. Lord, and to do the things that pleases you, Lord, knowing that one day they're going to have to answer for all the good they're doing and the bad. And that they're uh, going to have to answer for it, Lord God. And if they don't take that bad and put it under your precious blood before we hit that judgment seat, Lord God, they'll have to answer for it, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you'd forgive us for our many sins, Lord. Forgive us for our, for our, our laziness, Lord, our idleness, Lord. Forgive us for slumbering, slumbering and so just being sleepy, Lord God, not doing much for you, Lord, and keeping our eyes and our flesh in the world, Lord, and not thinking about the spiritual things to come, Lord. I pray, Father, that these verses will help wake us up this morning, help us to understand them, Lord. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. So, we're going to have to answer for what we've done, whether it be good or bad in this body. And Paul says it's a terror. Why is it a terror to stand before the Lord? It would be a terror to stand before the Lord because there's no way out. He's your God. He's your creator. You know there's no way out. If you stand before a judge in your mind, you say, well, I might be able to get out or I might, or there's a, he might show me some grace or, you know, if I, there's no way out. This is the end. It's fi the finality of it all will really set in when you stand before a holy, just God. And you know what? You might be able to fool a judge down here on earth. You might be able to fool your mom or your dad or you might be able to fool your parents uh, you might be able to fool your, 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 uh, your spouse, but you're not going to fool the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know it. You can't tell the Lord, I tried my best, and you didn't. Well, Lord, I was going to, and you didn't. Or, Lord, I had full intention, and you never had full intention. The Lord knows your heart. That should scare you. That should scare you. Look at verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man taketh heed how he buildeth thereon. You need to take heed how you're building on your foundation. What is that foundation? It's Jesus Christ. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Everybody in this room that's a believer, your rock is Jesus Christ. That's your foundation. If the rains come, if the storms come, your house is built on a rock, that shills, it will stand. Praise the Lord. But how are you building? Now, when you're building something up, it's, it's not prefabricated. God's talking about you're taking a brick at a time. So everything you're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're just putting a brick down here and a brick down there, and you're putting this down here and a putting that down there, and sometimes you're putting in some two-by-fours. Sometimes you put... That's what he's talking about, and you're building... We need to constantly, as Christians, be realizing that God expects us to build. 
We don't need to be the same Christian we were last year. We need to be a little better. We, we don't need to be the same Christian we were 10 years ago. We need to be a lot better. We need to be closer to the Lord. We need to be no more of our Bible. We need to be, have a better prayer life. You should be growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're born again. You become a babe in Christ. But Paul says those that are babes in Christ, they have milk. They can't have meat. You can't stay a babe all your life. You need to grow up and get into the meat of the Bible, start understanding stuff about the rapture, about the soul, about where people go. When you're first born again, when you first become a Christian, you don't have to know all this. God doesn't expect you to know all this. But as time progresses, you need to be building on that. you got the foundation of Jesus Christ, amen. You've got saved. Now you need to start building. And the way you're going to build is through this book and reading this book and studying this book. Verse 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation... Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work should be made manifest. Okay, let's stop there. So what you're doing is you're building, you're building on this foundation. And when you're building, you're either putting down gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. So the first three is what you want to build. The last three is what you don't want built. Because what's going to happen is all this is going to go through the fire. Let's keep reading verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day, that day of the judgment, shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So you're building up while you're working. The things you're doing for Jesus Christ down here on this earth, God is recording it. You might have forgotten about it. You ever thought about that? You know, you've done some things for the Lord Jesus Christ, some very simple things that the Lord says, I'm going to remember that, and he's writing it down, and you've forgotten about it. You ever had somebody come up and do that to you? Somebody come up to you and say, man, you, did, you said this certain, 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 certain time, and it meant so much to me, and, and you're like, I don't even remember saying that. I don't even remember doing that. You gave me $20, and I, I, you don't know how much that meant to me, and you're like, I forgot. Or you let me borrow, have you ever had somebody do that? You let me borrow some money, and here I am, I'm finally paying it back, and you're like, I don't even remember giving it to you. The Lord doesn't, it's not like that. He remembers it. He writes all that, he writes down all the good, and he writes down all the bad. That gold, that gold represents deity in the Bible. Gold, silver represents redemption. Precious stones in the Bible, those are types of saved souls. So when you're doing anything like, when you're doing those things that God pleases God, proper worship, keeping God's words, reading God's words, telling others about Jesus Christ, when you're being persecuted for Jesus Christ's name, those are things that's getting you rewards, they're getting you gold, they're getting you silver, and they're getting you precious stones. Those things you're doing out of the right heart for God. Those things that you're doing that are pleasing God. You're trying to please God with it. Gold, silver, precious stones. Wood, hay, stubble, what's that? Wood is dead, a dead tree. Hay is dead grass. Stubble's dead wheat. Those are things you do in the sight of men. Those are things you do that are just to please men. So other men can see you doing it. You've seen Christians like that? I've seen a lot of Christians like that. I've seen a lot of Christians that do things just so other Christians can see them doing it. You know what Jesus Christ says? He says, do those things in secret so your, Lord, the Lord, your God will reward you, your Father will reward you openly. 
Because men do those things in open so other men will reward them. Do those things that don't let your right hand know what your left, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Guys, these are the things that God's talking about. Why are you doing these things? You're not doing them just because God wants you. You're doing them also because it gives you rewards. God, you're building this stuff up. God's going to reward you for that. That you might have a reward. And be rewarded for it. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, dead things. Those wood, hay, stubble, that's dead things. What's going, what, if you put gold, silver, precious stones, stones through the fire, it's going to purify it. You put wood, hay, stubble through the fire, it's going to burn up. Every man's work should be manifest for the day, shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. You got this big old, big old uh, house built up and said, Lord, look what I've done for you. The Lord's going to put it through the fire. And if it, it's going to go up in flames, like what you were doing that for the world. You were doing that for yourself. You weren't doing that for me. You might have somebody put in this big, big old building through the fire. I'm going to put what I built for the Lord through the fire. And it just goes up like an atomic explosion. And there's a few little gold nuggets come out. See, that's really what you're doing for the Lord. Wood, hay, stubble. Let me tell you something about your, this judgment seat of Christ. You're going to stand before Jesus Christ. He's God manifest in the flesh. Do y'all read y'all's Bible? Okay. If you read your Bible, what you will find out is God has a heart for the poor. You want to get some rewards? You better do something for some poor people. God has a heart for the poor. He doesn't have a heart for this religious stuff we're doing here. Just going to church, and he doesn't have a heart for that. Now, he wants us to worship him. But you know what, you know what Israel is doing? They were fasting. They were fasting. They were not eating. They were doing these little ritual fastings. And God says, is this the fast that I called for? You haven't reached out to the needy. You haven't done anything for them. That's how God feels about it. God looks at your heart when you're doing something more than he looks at your head. We look at that, oh, look what I'm doing. Nobody will know that I'm just, I'm just doing this because I have to. God wants you to do it with a loving heart. God has a heart for the poor, for the widows, and for the fatherless. If you can help any one of those three categories, you're getting a step ahead. You're going to get you some rewards. God also, God also is a holy God. So all this nonsense going on in America... It's not very holy. So you're standing for a judgment seat of Christ before a holy Messiah, before a holy God, and you're going to stand there and try to talk about all your unholy deeds? How far is that going to go? It's going to get burned up. Now do you know why Paul's saying this is going to be terrifying? Because you're going to stand before God and he's going to be Jesus Christ is going to judge you and you're not going to get around. You're not going to be able to get out of it. And you're not going to be able to just get in the crowd and say, well, I'll get over here with all the Indian Gap Baptist people over here. No, you're going to stand by yourself. What did you do for me? Well, what did you do for me? I saved you. What did you do for me? Well, you know, well, I didn't know I was supposed to do something. Oh, Yeah. On certain certain day, on certain certain time, you said, I need to be going to church, but I just don't have the time. <laughs> or I should have. God, Jesus Christ has warned us. 
Every idle word man's going to give account of in the day of judgment. You know what God loves to do, and I'm about to show it to you? He loves to use your own words against you. <laughs> He's like a good wife. He's, Thank you, Brother Daryl. Only, only a husband in here brave enough to laugh about that one. Use your words against you. No, that's how he's going to judge you. He's going to judge you out of your own mouth. You don't think there's going to be some... You've seen how these idiot atheists and these idiot morons in this country act? We've got a country full of morons. Doing something for God. I don't think there's anything wrong with stealing. You know they're going to do it. And all their self-righteousness and all their pride, I don't think there's anything wrong with what I was doing. And God's going to say, oh yeah, well on a certain, certain day, on a certain, certain time, you said, I hate thieves. The Bible says, every mouth will be stopped before God. You ain't going to stand before God and argue. God's going to use your own words against you. This became a reality to me, working with men. Eight hours a day. Working around men, we, I had to have a crew and I'd have guys ride with me for weeks on end. And they'd say one thing one week and the next week would be a totally different thing. One week they'd say one thing. They were the big, and I'm the same way. That's the biggest fear I had to fight myself. And I am, I'm a big hypocrite. I say one thing from the pulpit and then three weeks later I'm saying something else. I know y'all back there going, that hypocrite? I am a hypocrite. Pray for me. But you see what I'm saying? God's going to know everything you've said and use it against you. That, should, that makes me want to shake my knees. And he's going to judge you. And he's going, to want to, he's going to want something from you. He expects something from you. If any man's work abide which he hath built upon, he shall receive a reward. Praise God. If any man's work should be burned, he shall suffer loss. You're going to lose some things, guys. But he himself shall be saved. You're still saved, yet so as by fire. Like you went through the fire, like Moses went through. Moses was saved by water, the Bible says. I mean, excuse me. Noah was saved by water. Well, he never t water never touched him. He was in the water. He came through the water. You're going, to be, you're going to come through the fire. You'll come out of the fire. You're going to be saved by the fire. You're saved, yet so as by fire. You're going to be put through the fire, but you're saved. This has nothing to do with your salvation, brothers and sisters. This has to do with your inheritance in this millennial kingdom. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. I'll show it to you. Colossians chapter 3. Man, I can't encourage you enough to do something for the Lord. It don't have to be a lot, guys. God hasn't given us a lot to do. I, no, we have some guys, we have people in here that have been in very important positions in leadership, I look around this room, we got people that own, we have people in this, business, in this room that own businesses, they own their own ranches, they do their own work, they, they have men under them, they've had lots of men under them, uh, they're responsible for paying bills. We got lots and lots of, of very mature men in here and women, same way. They have run businesses, they're leaders where they're at. And what I understand about leadership is this, when you're in a leadership role, you don't get, you don't get everybody's not doing the same thing. Because some people just are not, uh, you don't have them ready to do that thing. So you might have one guy doing something, but it's important, but it's something little, right? But it's, it needs to be done. 
So you send that, and you got something that's a little bit, because you trust this guy a little bit more, and he's a little bit more experienced. You're going to put him over here, because you know he can do a little bit of, of that job that you want. It's a little bit more, it takes a little bit more experience to do that job, so you put him over here. That doesn't make this person less, or that what they're doing any less important. It's just not as big. It doesn't seem important, but if that one thing is not done, it drops the whole operation off, right? That's the way the Lord works. The Lord might be giving you something, Christian, and listen to me. I feel like some of y'all are not listening to me this morning. Listen to me. If you will just do that little bitty thing that the Lord wants, you're going to get great rewards. And you're not, you're, I'm not telling you the Lord is expecting you to go over to Africa. Or the Lord's expecting you to go to Brazil. Or the Lord's expecting you to be this great missionary. All the Lord wants you to do is that little bitty thing. And he'll build on that. And he'll work. And you can, you can get some great rewards. But Christians, we have the attitude, we got saved and like, okay, we're done. Now we're on God's welfare plan. We're not going to do anything else. And God don't work that way. He's got rewards. He's gonna, are you going to lose some stuff? Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. If you're in there in Colossians 3, look at verse 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You want some rewards? Do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Do what you're doing in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, the person you're doing it to or, the, or whatever's going on, they might not realize it, but you need to know it, right, in your heart. When I do some, there's some things I do for people that I don't like that person. <laughs> I don't like them. I don't care for them. I don't even want them over at my house. Well, why are you doing it? Because I know the Lord wants me to do it, and I'm doing it. He's doing it through me. Amen? So I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to do it. I, and he does. He gives me the heart for him, and I can do it. But I'm doing it for Jesus Christ. Because that person I'm doing it for, they don't even care. They could care less. A lot of times they don't even know I'm doing it for them. Verse 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Do it for your heart to the Lord and not to men. See, it's a heart thing, guys. Are you doing it with the right heart? Are you doing it because you love the Lord Jesus Christ? And you're doing it because you want to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you doing it to be seen of men? That's what Paul's saying again here. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. See that? You're going to get a reward. Now let's read this again. Well, no, let's read verse 25, and then we'll go over to 24. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there's no respect of persons. So if you're doing good, you're going to get what you have coming to you. If you're doing bad, you're going to get what's coming to you. He's not a respect of persons. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. So if you've done wrong in the past, because I'm, ho I'm hoping starting today, you're going to do a whole lot less wrong for the Lord. And starting today, you're going to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to try to do a little better job. And in the past, Lord, I know you asked me to do this in my heart, and I didn't do it. You asked me to do that, Lord. Will you please forgive me? Please put it under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Man, get that stuff covered before you get to this judgment seat. That's what you want. But look at verse 24. This is where you've got, you got to break this down. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. 
Is salvation a reward? No. A reward is something that's given to you as you've earned it. Salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a gift. And inheritance is a reward. Now, I'm not going to go into this deep, but do y'all not have, some of y'all not have kids that are going to get a better rewarded inheritance than other of your kids? Oh, they're still family. They're still your kids. But there's some of the kids that that one's going to get a better reward, better. Now, sometimes maybe you have two great kids, three, and you can split it three ways. Sometimes you say, no, I've seen it. That's how the Lord works. He said, you know what? You're going to get this much. You're only going to get this much. You're only going to get that much. That's how the Lord God works. I'm about to show it to you through Jesus Christ's own words. So y'all just hang in there. What I'm trying to show you is salvation is not a ward, but the inheritance is. So what this is, this is that millennial inheritance that the Bible talks about. And I mentioned it the last few, th two or three weeks. This is that millennial inheritance of a thousand years. So whenever Jesus Christ hits this earth and he starts ruling and reigning for a thousand years, the Bible says we will rule and reign with him. When we're at that judgment seat of Christ right here at this time period, that's determining who's going to rule, who's going to reign, who's going to be doing what, and who's going to be not doing anything. Right in here. It's a reward of inheritance. See that? The reward of the inheritance. That's a millennial inheritance. The Bible says there's five crowns. We don't have time to go through them, but there's five crowns going to be given. You'll have those crowns on, or you might not have no crown at all. So how important is that? Well, is it important that the Lord, the whole world, you're ruling over the whole world, and the world looks at you and goes, oh, that wasn't a very good one there. Look at his crown. Or he or she doesn't even have a crown. Look at him, he does have a crown. And the Lord's going to give you things to do based on what you were doing up here. See, as a, as a Baptist, and uh, I believe in once saved, always saved. I want you, once you get saved, once you're born in the family of God, you can't become unborn. And I, of course, I got Bible verses to, to prove that. But people make fun of me about that. I've had people say, oh, you once saved, you believe you, you can be saved, and you're going to do whatever you want to do, and you're still saved. I'll say, yeah, you're still saved, but you're going to answer for it right here. And you're going to answer for it bad. And then you're going to have a thousand years to answer for it. One thousand years, brothers and sisters. What you're doing right now is going to affect a thousand years of your eternity. At least. We don't have time to go into it. But there's some verses in the Bible that they imply that how you're dressed is, how, is going to determine how you, what you're doing right here. Some of us might be in rags for a thousand years. Some of us might be in white robes, shining bright. It's all implied through Revelation 3, 1, 2, and 3. Look at Luke 19. I'll show you the end of this. So, so salvation is not a reward. Millennial inheritance is, and that's what Paul's talking about right there. Getting that reward of the inheritance, whether it be good or bad. and We're going to get a reward. You Jesus Christ said, that's Luke chapter 19, but Jesus Christ said that, uh, do, you know, do those things that you'll get, that you put, those, put, your, put your treasures up in heaven. Not on earth where the moth can get them and the thief can get them and 
See, that's what the world tells you. That's what America's all about. America's all about getting treasures down right here. Bigger house, bigger car, more money in the bank. What are you doing here? Doing all this, more, better clothes. What, and that's what the world's all focusing on. Jesus Christ says you need to stop focusing on that. Focus on heaven and put your rewards up in heaven that can't be touched by moth or by thief. And you'll get them right here. Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, verse 11. Here's Jesus Christ. He's going to tell you everything I just, everything I just was saying to you. Jesus Christ is going to give you an illustration of it right here. I mean, right in black and white, brothers and sisters. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable. Because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. See, they're thinking, okay, God's coming back. Jesus Christ, the kingdom, this is the kingdom right here. It's coming right now. Christ, Jesus is the king. Let's set it up. Let's go. That's what they're thinking. And they had a right to because here's Jesus and he's the king, right? They didn't realize he had to be crucified first. The king, the lamb had to be crucified before the lion could come. The lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a lamb first for our salvation. He's a lamb first for our salvation. He's a lion for our king. Amen. Verse 12, he said, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. That's Jesus Christ. He went into a far country. We call it heaven. He's going to come back for his kingdom. He's coming, guys. If you believe Jesus Christ is coming back, say amen. amen. All right, some of y'all there, Amen. Verse 13, he, and he called his ten servants. Are you a servant of Jesus Christ? Yes, you are. He called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. Each one of them got the same amount. Said unto them, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Christian, you're supposed to be occupy, occupying this earth until Jesus Christ comes back. We just stick our ground until Jesus Christ comes back. Right? But his citizens... His, the Messiah's citizens, that be the Jews, hated him. The Jews hated him. Israel hated him. And they crucified him. And sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And that's what they said. We have no king but Caesar. And it came to pass that when he was returned, that's his second coming right here, Revelation 19, when he is returned, having received the kingdom, that's right there, he comes back, thousand year reign, kingdom of Christ, He's turned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. He said, okay, guys, here are my servants. I'm going to give each one of y'all a pound. I'll be back. And the king takes off. That's us. Everybody in this room is right here. Everybody in this room has the Holy Spirit. And we all have access to the same Holy Spirit and the same amount of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you and the Holy Spirit can flow out of you and you're the only one that's restricting Him from what He's doing. Not me, not this country, not the U.S. government, you. You're responsible for how much you're allowing the Lord to work out of you. And He's given all of us in here the same amount. Okay? And he's coming back, and he wants to know when he gets back, he raptures us out, he puts us at the judgment seat, and he says, okay, let's find out what you did. We all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
that he might know how much every man, nobody's going to get out of it, had gained by training. Christian, are you losing or are you gaining? Can you say you're losing or are you gaining? I hope this morning you can say, you know what, Pastor? I feel like I'm gaining. I feel like I'm learning a little bit more every week, every month. I'm learning more about how to be a better Christian, to do those things the Lord wants me to do. I feel like I'm gaining. Or do you have to say this morning, Pastor, I have to admit, I feel like I'm losing. I'm not where I once was. I was way up here, and I've kind of backslidden. Well, that's okay. We serve a merciful God. Get down on your knees. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Get back up. Let's get back to work. And get some gains. Hey, you can lose some rewards, but you can gain some rewards. You got breath of life, amen? Every day the Lord gives you another day to gain some rewards. By trading. That's interesting. By trading. Trading comfort. Sometimes doing stuff for the Lord is not comfortable, is it? Handing out a track or inviting somebody to church or, or loving somebody you don't want to love or forgiving somebody you don't want to forgive or doing those things that you don't want to do. It's not very comfortable, is it? Sometimes you've got to trade some comfort to get some gain. Sometimes you've got to trade some friends. Maybe you've got some friends that are in the way and they're not letting you gain for the Lord. Maybe sometimes you've got to trade some friends. Sometimes you've got to trade some family. Sometimes, guys, it's simply just trading time. Trading all the time you're spending on the internet, on the, uh, watching TV, or whatever you're doing, trading all that time and trading some of that time to gain for the Lord Jesus Christ. It amazes me when I come to church on Sunday. Of course, my heart's on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And y'all's are too because you wouldn't be here, right? But I come to church just like y'all came to church this morning. And y'all's heart was, I'm going to go to church and try to do the right thing. And I come to church, and I have a 45-minute drive from where I live. And I, the whole way here, I see people pass me, boom, boom, boom. I don't see a lot of people with ties on. I see people hauling hay. I see people working out in the yard. I see some all kinds of stuff, people pulling boats. And I think they won't trade their time for the Lord. You know how much time I've traded over Sundays? Well, I could have been somewhere. And my wife, my, me and my wife have been somewhere. We're like, well, we can't do that because we've got to be back for church on Sunday. Trading it. What are you doing? Why are you doing that, Pastor? What good is that? Because I'm trying to gain something. I'm trying to gain something up here. Because I'm losing in other places. <laughs> right? It's like a stock, it's like a, stock a, a portfolio. You know, you got some stocks that you're not, you're not doing very good on. But some of these, hey, I can do better on this. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. Woo, he did pretty good. He took that one thing the Lord gave him and says, hey, I, I made ten pounds out of it. And he said unto him, well, thou good servant. That's what we all want to hear, amen. Just do good with what the little bit the Lord's given you. It don't mean you have to be a preacher or a teacher or... Uh, you know, a, a street preacher. You don't have to do some kind of miraculous thing. Just do that little thing the Lord's given you. Because thou hast been faithful in a very little, see, very little, had thou authority over ten cities. 
ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ for a thousand years, he said, I'll give you authority over ten cities right here. He says, you've been faithful with very, in a very little. It doesn't have to be much, guys. I don't want y'all to take from this sermon that I've got to do some great big thing for God. It doesn't have to be some big quantity. Just make it good quality. Just good quality. Jesus Christ talked about the church as a pearl, one pearl of great price. Take whatever little jewel that God's given you and just work on that and, and, and polish it and polish it and polish it and say, the Lord's given me this to do and I'm going to polish it and polish it. Guys, we need more people that will pray. Just being a prayer warrior, just saying, you know what? I'm going to take this list and I'm going to pray over this little list that we're doing on Wednesday nights or I'm going to take the list of, of our missionaries and I'm going to pray over each one of them and that's what I'm going to do. And you're just praying and you're praying for their needs and you're praying and you're gaining. What do you mean? You're trading some time that you could have been watching TV or drinking coffee or being on the phone with a friend. You're trading that time to say, I'm going to pray to you, Lord, about these missionaries. And you're taking that little bit of something and you're just polishing it. It don't have to be some big, great quantity. It's just, just a little bit of quality. Now, it could be quantity, amen? Because 100 $1 bills is just as good as a big $100 bill. It adds up. That little bit of doing that you're doing adds up. It's a little, very little, but hey, the Lord rewards it. Verse 18, and the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. Well, I got five pounds out of it. Not quite as much. And he said likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. There's some equality here, guys. The person that's, the person that's trading all their time, all their loved ones, they're trading everything they have for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord's going to reward them very greatly. But if you're not willing to trade nothing for the Lord, you're not going to get much out of the rewards right there. This guy got five cities. He's going to rule over five cities. It speaks to the millennial kingdom when Jesus Christ says in Revelation 20, they will be kings and priests. They will reign. We will reign with our Christ. When we're reigning, he's going to be having us reigning over those cities. Verse 20, And another came saying, Lord, behold, there is thy, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. He comes up and says, Lord, uh, here you go. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that that thou didst not sow. Austere is a word meaning severe or harsh. He's hard. What he's saying is, Jesus, I was afraid of you and you're hard. So I just laid it up. I didn't do anything for you. Now you know he's lying. He's lying for his excuse of laziness and unconcern for that pound. It's a lie. It's obviously a lie there in verse 21. For I feared thee. If he really feared the Lord, he would have tried to do something. Even if he lost that pound trying to do something, he would have tried. I'm here to tell you, the Lord would have handled it a lot better if he came to him and said, Lord, I, I hate to tell you this, but I had this big dream that something I could do for you, and I was going to build this big, and what I did is I took that pound, and man, I, I gave it all to my dream, and my dream fell apart. And I don't have nothing to show for it. And the Lord said, well, you tried. 
right? It's hard to be mad at your kids when they're trying. But when they come to you, you say, well, I was afraid. I didn't do anything because I was afraid you are going to spank me. Well, come here. You, you're right. <laughs> That's about what's going to happen to you right now. What's he doing? For I feared thee because thou art an austere man. He puts the blame back on Jesus Christ, on his Lord. You see that? It's not my fault. This, this is America 2022. Well, it's, no, it's your fault. I didn't do nothing. Well, it's your fault. You're mean. You're hateful. I don't like God because he's mean. <laughs> Think about what you just said. He's God. He's your creator. He can do whatever he wants to do. You better get right with him. Or he'll get even meaner. Look what he says in verse 23. Well, some of these... Look at verse 22. Some of the scariest verses you're going to read here. He saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Remember what I was talking about? There it is right there. I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth. <laughs> Guys, I can't encourage you enough. I can't encourage you enough. to talk about the Lord, about how graceful He is, how merciful He is, how wonderful He is, because when you stand before Him, that's how He's going to judge you. Lord, you're, you're graceful. I tried, Lord, I tried to do something big for you, and I lost it all, but I know you're a God of grace. And you know my heart, Lord, I was just trying. And I know you're a God of grace. I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth. I'm going to show you some grace. Come here, boy. It's all right. Lord, I was afraid of you. I wasn't going to do nothing for you. You're mean. I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth. You, don't want to, you think I'm mean? I'm going to show you mean. Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. So at the very least, you could have put it in a bank and drank. You should have gained some interest. What that represents, the top that's going on there in verse 23, brothers and sisters, that top there is the top of a Christian. When therefore thou gavest not thou my money, that talent, God-given talent that everybody in this room has, that God-given talent, didn't get my money, then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that would be the local church that at my coming I might have required my own with usury. There's some Christians that they have given their God-given talent to the church, and the church uses it to gain talents, to gain interest for the Lord. There's some people that come to the church that don't have a heart for Jesus Christ. They really, sometimes I wonder if they're even saved. They come in, they, they don't, but they, they have a talent, and they allow the church to use it. And I've got a brother in mind right now. He doesn't, he's not part of this church, but he's a part of another church that I know of, and that's him. He doesn't really care about the Lord. You can't tell he's a Christian outside of church. He doesn't act like a Christian, but he goes to that church, and the church uses his talent to gain interest for the Lord. That's him right there. At least he's going to get a little bit. He said, well, at least I, you know, I didn't do it for your, with my own heart. I didn't do it in the right place, but at least it's gaining interest. It's what the Lord says. Verse 24, And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him that pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. You know that little bit the Lord gave you? He's going to take it away from you and give it to somebody else. The one that did something for him. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. 
Verse 26, For I say unto you that unto everyone which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not even that he hath shall be taken away from him. That's implying that's a long thousand years not to have anything. Maybe that's what you want. That's not what I want. For I say unto you, verse 27, look at this, verse 27, But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. So that servant, he's still part of the kingdom. But God's enemies, that's Revelation 19, Battle Armageddon, you slay them. They, won't, they don't want them to reign over him. That's the words of Jesus Christ right there. That's, that's Jesus Christ's words. I don't want you to take out of this sermon that Jesus Christ is a hard man, because he's not. What I want you to take out of this sermon is that Jesus Christ is going to expect something out of you. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, Bible. This Bible's full of this stuff where the Lord expects you to do something for Him. And I'm here to tell you, He can do it through you. I preached on that for weeks and weeks. He will do it through you. And what's amazing is, He not only will do the work through you, He'll give you the rewards, even though He's the one that done the, reward, the work. It's, it's just an amazing system of how the Lord works. That's how graceful He is. But He will require it of you. So if you're in here and you're a Christian and you're living like the devil and you think you're going to get away with it, your day's coming. You're not going to get away with it. So we need to be repenting. We need to, be, we need to get right with the Lord and we need to do something for Him because we will answer for Him. We will get rewards. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for Your love, Your grace, Lord. I do, I do understand Your love and grace, Lord. You've showed it to me so many million times, Father. Lord, I know you as a good man, as, as a merciful, graceful man. I don't know you as being hard or harsh or austere, Lord. I, I know you as being wonderful. And I know, Lord, you love us and you want the best for us, Lord. All this is good stuff for us. You want us to have a big inheritance, Lord God, and it's all up to us to what we do. Father, I pray, Lord God, there's somebody needs the sound of my voice. That they don't know what you want them to do, Lord. You'd open their eyes, their heart, Lord God, to some little thing they could do for you. And, Lord, I know probably you already have, Lord, but show them again, Lord. Reveal it to them again. And, Father, help them to do those things, Lord. It might be just some little thing, Lord God. And, Father, Father, I know you reward them for it, Lord. You rewarded me. You've been really, really good to me, Lord. And I know that up in heaven, Lord, we got a, we got a great reunion coming. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that everybody in this room, Lord, when we get to see you face to face, you can look us in the eye and you can say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, I thank you for these people that love you that bonded together here at this church, Lord God, to get the missionaries out, Lord God, to, to try to get people saved, Lord God. I pray you bless this work, Lord God, and bless these people. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him